Today, I am going to speak about The Voice. Have anybody seen that television show on TV, The Voice? And what it is, <laughs> I don't know if you've been watching it. I, this is the first year that I've really even paid attention to it. But there are a couple of uh, Christian uh, artists or Christian, one's a song leader, was, I don't know if he's still on or not, but there were song leaders from churches and, and another individual, I think there's two or three of them that were from a Christian background, from a church, and they are on this program, The Voice. And what they do is um, they have four individuals and their back is to the singers and the singers will sing their song and the, these four individuals will, if they want to have that person on their team to train them, they'll hit the button and turn their chair around and these people can then go on and sing songs and, and go on in the competition. And now it's a uh, competition where the people call in and vote which one you think is going to be the best and they're down to like 10 or 8 or 12 or I don't know, somewhere in there. But the idea is that the individuals are singing and the people are listening, the four judges are listening for a voice that they want to, they think can be on their team and they can train them to become better. Well, today we're talking about Pentecost and the voice of the Holy Spirit. And the reason I'm speaking of Pentecost is because tonight, another TV show, is the AD series in which they are doing the early church. And tonight's episode is about the Holy Spirit. And I thought that, you know, I'm, I usually don't advertise or think of uh, television programs, but our national office has been sending out recognitions and sending out uh, flyers, as it were, for pastors to make mention of this for their congregation. So um, I'm assuming that it will be pretty much right on target as to what our beliefs are and what the scriptural reference is. And whenever we think of the Holy Spirit and the coming of Pentecost, it's hard to visualize what that was like. It's hard to have a, <clears throat> a visual picture of what happened on the day of Pentecost when the people were in the upper room. And in Acts chapter 2, it says, When the Feast of Pentecost came. Now, there were, there's three major feasts in the Jewish calendar. And the Feast of Pentecost is one of them. And it is a feast of harvest, a feast of weeks, which is kind of uh, a time that they have set aside to um, celebrate the harvest of their crops. And so it becomes a feast of Pentecost, a feast of weeks, a feast of the harvest. And so these three major feasts of the uh, Jewish calendar require that people would come from all the surrounding areas and come to Jerusalem to celebrate this, this feast before, uh, you know, for the Jewish nation. And so the Feast of Pentecost came, and they were all together in one place, meaning the 120, that were waiting in the upper room. It has been 50 days since the Easter Sunday, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, uh, 10 days, for 40 days after Easter, after the resurrection, Jesus ascended to heaven, and then 50 days is the day of Pentecost. So on the, in the scriptural text, it's been 10 days since Jesus told his disciples to go to Jerusalem. And to go to Jerusalem and tarry, to wait. 
because there was an appointed time that God was going to uh, have a divine visitation upon believers and upon them to help them to empower them to make a difference in their life. Now, up until this point, the disciples had, after the resurrection, they went to Galilee, and they were kind of going back to their old way of habits, their old habits, their old way of making a living. They were fishermen, they were doing their thing, and for 40 days, Jesus would come and visit with them, as it were, and when he ascended, he says, now, I want you to go to Jerusalem. Well, Jerusalem is where Jesus was crucified and where the um, Roman army and the um, high priests and all of them were still out looking for them. They were probably in the post office with their pictures up there and wanted men. <laughs> That's a little analogy there, yeah. There was no post office. I'm just kidding. Okay, so the... the the, disciple, the um, Romans would have wanted to arrest the disciples. And they would have wanted to take them in and perhaps kill them, crucify them, or whatever. So the 120 now, the disciples and others, had gone to this upper room. Did you get a picture of that? I told you about it. and I mentioned it in Sunday school, and I never brought it back up. There is, there's a place in Jerusalem that is considered the upper room. And it is, it is a... It's thought to be the actual upper room or one of the areas. It may not be the actual upper room, but in the location because it says that David's tomb is within sight and above the upper room, below the upper room, is this tomb and it's all decked out and that's considered David's tomb. So anyhow, above that is this place called the upper room and we were there (laughs) whenever we did our tour in Jerusalem. And it is a second story building, second-story room. It's quite large. It's pretty large. And there are these large open windows. And while they were waiting there, something happened. And, um, and we'll get to it. If it comes up, it comes up. Um, the, when the Feast of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Now, in the King James, it says they were all in one accord. Um, Where's Tabby? Could you hit a, a chord for us? A note? Just any note. Uh. Okay, do it again. Okay, everybody hit that same note. Hey, that's pretty good. That's not it. That's not it. <laughs> Can you do that again, please? Okay, everybody hit that note. Boy, you're, you're really good. Yeah. It's hard, you know, uh, 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 it's hard to get everybody in on the same note. Uh, One accord. One accord, accord, a note. Well, it's not what it meant in the scripture text. But they were trying, they were there with one purpose. And the purpose was serving Jesus. And this is considered uh, the upper room uh, at this time and we don't know for sure if it's the actual upper room. I'm, I, I think that it was the building itself was destroyed and rebuilt later. But we were in this room, and I always remember Alice Rebko standing here by one of the pillars, and um, we wanted, they wanted to sing, um, Surely the Presence of the Lord is in this place. <laughs> and uh, it was there in, in this, a similar area, such as this, that this took place in Acts chapter 2. 
that there were 120 people in this place, and they were there tarrying, waiting, praying. And in, in, in the, the Jewish people that were followers of Jesus hadn't broken away from the temple, the Jewish tradition, because they felt that Jesus had come to fulfill the Jewish law, not to start a separate uh, church. And so they were still very active in going to the temple, going there for, for prayers, and, and offering the sacrifices and so on. And they were, they were very much involved with the Jewish customs and the Jewish traditions. Plus, they were here in the upper room in prayer, waiting for something, whatever it was that Jesus said that he was going to do. Well, Jesus said he was going to send to them another comforter. And the word another, it's very important that we understand this, that the another means exactly the same. When the Holy Spirit comes, he is exactly as I am. So when the Holy Spirit is with us, it's the same exact as Jesus himself standing there beside you. Because the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the triune God, are three yet one, equal in all ways, but yet distinct. So the Holy Spirit's work, working in our life, is the very same as if Jesus himself were standing there, reading the scriptures and being inspired by the Holy Spirit. Is Jesus has spoken the word, but when Pentecost came, the disciples were empowered from on high, and they, were, they stopped hiding. They stopped running. They, they, they understood what Jesus was trying to teach them. And that's our hardest point. Our hardest place in life is, what is Jesus trying to teach us? What is the Holy Spirit talking to us about? When the difficulties, the trials, the tribulations, the sicknesses, the accidents, the things happen, and what is Jesus trying to teach us? What is the word trying to encourage us? How are we being changed from the image, from glory to glory? See, where we are at is not where we're going to die. <laughs> you know, if, if where we were at is where we're going to die, you got about 10 minutes, <laughs> you'd be dead. Why? Because I can't grow anymore from here. But you see, we're not dead. Okay, everybody that's not dead, raise your hand. All right, okay. No funerals today. So, <laughs> what it means is that we are alive in Christ and the Holy Spirit comes to empower that word. What word comes to our mind? What word do you think of? Uh, what scriptural text do you think of over and over again? Anyone? What is it? What? What did I say again? <laughs> What scripture does, what scripture comes to your mind over and over again? Okay, what does it say? I look up into the hills from whence cometh my strength, my strength cometh from the Lord. Okay, so what makes that come to your mind? A problem? A difficulty? So there is a problem that comes up, and I look under the hills, and where does my help come from? My help comes from the hills, from the Lord, for the Lord. He's the one that bestows that strength. See, the Holy Spirit 
It isn't the problem that brings that to mind. It's the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, speaking his word to our life. Anyone else? Come on now. What, what verse? Any verse? Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord, plans to prosper, not to harm, to do a good work. What brings that to your mind? Okay. We have an uncertain future. We have an uncertain future. Why? Because we're, you know, change is coming about. And in that possibility of change, the Holy Spirit brings to our mind the scriptural text. Don't be afraid of change. Because I, the Lord, have a plan for you. Plans to prosper, not to harm. So the Holy Spirit brings that, that word to our lives. Anyone else? When sadness comes, when there's a hardship, weeping may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. What are we saying? That is the Spirit giving us hope. Now, when we do, when I did a lot of counseling, you would sit down and you would talk with people and they would talk with you, you know, back and forth and things like that. And one of the main things was, I'm not here to fix anything. Just here to listen to you. And then I would, well, I had many, depended on what was going on, but most of the time I would ask them, well, what do you think the answer is? Where is the answer? What I, was, what I was trying to do was to get them to listen to the Spirit speaking encouragement to them. Because if Jesus were sitting with you, and if Jesus were walking with you, and you face a difficulty, there's change coming, what am I going to do? And Jesus would say, would whisper in our ear, he would whisper his word. what word would he whisper? Those scriptures that come to your mind. He is speaking that to us. It isn't just us coming up with it. It's the Holy Spirit coming up with it, speaking it to our lives. And here in in chapter 2, verses 1, 2, here we're in, without warning, there was a sound like a strong wind, a gale force. (laughs) I've never been in a tornado, but... uh, Sometimes on our hill, it sounds like a freight train coming, <laughs> you know? And once you hear the sound of the freight train, then you, f- you feel this push, as it were, upon the house from the wind hitting it, okay? And if you open the door, you would be blown away, okay? People who have witnessed a hurricane, uh, tornadoes and things, they would say it was like a freight train outside. Well, here in the upper room, there was a sound like a freight train, a rushing mighty wind, but there was no wind. There was the sound, and then there was fire. Fire. (laughs) Well, Well, fire, we think of things being consumed. What about Moses and the burning bush? What about Moses on the mount receiving the commandments and the fire of God? 
You see, there is a fire that comes, and the fire of the Holy Spirit is a fire that speaks of purification, a fire that burns up the impurities. We all have impurities in our life. We all have difficulties that we face. We all, and, and we're not perfect. And so the Spirit is going to ignite those difficulties, burn them, as it were, and then in the midst of that, the Spirit is going to speak to empower to empower us, to give us strength. <laughs> As your day is, so shall your strength be. See? So whenever we are looking at our days and thinking, the Holy Spirit brings thoughts. I can do more. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That generally is brought up when facing a difficulty that you have to, you have to do this. You, you know, there's no quitting, there's no giving up, there's no going back, there's only going forward. As my day is, so shall my strength be. All things work together for good. The sovereign God who created the heavens and the earth is watching over your life, every step that you take, every place that you go, every thought that's in your mind. God knows it all, and he continues to come to us with his love, his power, his blessing, his word to encourage us, to make us complete, to make us whole, healthy. Without warning, there was a sound like a strong wind, a gale force. No one could tell where it came from. There was this big sound going on. You know, I would ask Jose to turn up some sound to the biggest, to the greatest noise that he could make through all the speakers and blast it. And we go, oh, well, well, what's he doing? What's that noise? Yeah. <laughs> We'd open the windows and the people would hear, what's that noise in that church? <laughs> well, we would say, well, it's the speakers and Jose playing. Okay. But <laughs> in the upper room, there was no Jose at the PA system. <laughs> there was the Holy Spirit that came and spoke to them, empowered them. And there was this great noise. There was, it was a great noise, but what was, what was going on? It was a great attraction. People came. They heard it. So it wasn't just for the 120. It was something that was noised abroad. And then the fire came. As it were, fire came and sat upon each one. And it was the fire of the Spirit, the same fire of Moses in the burning bush, the same fire as in... Um, uh, uh, Moses, yeah, and the, on the mountain in which the fire of God descended upon it. It's the same, same fire. It's fire of the Holy Spirit. It filled the whole building. Then like a wildfire, like a wildfire, you know, there's a high risk fire now. You know, so don't go burning trash and burning things in the woods. Why? Because there's just so much material, this ready combustible material is in the woods at this moment that it, there's nothing to retard the fire. And in our life, the, the combustion factor, as we seek after God, as we seek after God, as we seek after God, it's that there's this, there's this combustion all this material that's ready to be consumed by the Spirit. And the Spirit comes and consumes like a wildfire and burns up all these things. And the whole Holy Spirit spread throughout their ranks. 
And they, spe- they started speaking in a number of different languages as the Spirit prompted them. So the Holy Spirit came and empowered them and filled them to overflowing. We asked a question in Sunday school. How can you fill a cup that's already full? See? You know, whenever we are saved, we ask Christ to forgive us of our sins. Our life is filled with God. But then at Pentecost, there is a filling again. There is a filling, the, it's a filling of the full. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like we're already full because this, our people without, see, there, were all, there was always, I don't say always, but there were uh, doctrines that said, well, you can't get to heaven unless you have the Pentecostal experience. It's not what the Bible says. The Bible says if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of all your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That God would fill our hearts to overflowing. That he would, you know, that the word of God would dwell in us richly. So we find that there is a filling of the full. (laughs) And that's the Holy Spirit filling, refilling. and, And we see in here that it's so moved upon these individuals in the upper room that they, there was this great noise and people were drawn to the noise. They were drawn to the visual effects of fire in the building, but it's not burning. And all of the, what was going on and the people inside the building were speaking Galileans and, and speaking in the language of the people who were visiting from other countries. And we have a list of them here. Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, and Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Egypt, Libya. We have the, all these different countries are represented, represented at this, in Jerusalem And they are all there outside of this building listening to what? Listening to the Holy Spirit speak through people who were local individuals telling them about Jesus in their own language. The power of the Holy Spirit to fill us to overflowing by His Spirit that we can speak that which God speaks to us to touch the lives of others. Those who are in the dark need your light the most. (laughs) You see, if there is anything we have, we have the light of God. And who, who is receiving that light? Where is our lamp burning? Where is our light shining? That's why the Bible says, don't hide your light under a bushel basket. You, know, you, don't, you see, each of us have a light, and who are we illuminating? Who, to whom are we speaking? To whom is the Holy Spirit using us to speak to their lives and speak to their hearts? Our neighbors, our friends, our family, you know, the people we work with, the people around us, the people we meet, those in the grocery store. Are we a light? (laughs) You know, when we have to wait in line, you know, that crazy person, if she knew what she was doing, she'd be able to wring that thing out quicker than this, you know. (laughs) Impatient? Um... You know, restaurant, <laughs> meeting people, 
See, what type of person are we? And you see, the Holy Spirit helps us become to, that we would do the right things for the right reasons, that we would be the person that people, the go-to person. <laughs> the go-to person. When people need a light, they know where, who to ask. You know, it's like smokers, you know. They, they, they look around for somebody who has a cigarette because they know they have a light. <laughs> right? I never smoked, but, you know. And I always knew people, how do you know they have a cigarette lighter? Well, don't you know? You can smell it. Can't you tell it? You know, they have, a, they have it. They smoke. Well, I, you know, they're drawn to people. People in darkness need a light. It's you. <laughs> you know, uh, and I think I've done, I don't know how many funerals, seven, eight in the last eight weeks or whatever, a wedding and all those different things and all I want, you try to be the light in darkness. You try to be a place where people find hope. You want to be the light that, you want to be the, the word of God that is planted into someone's life that it stirs them, helps them, it, that when somebody else comes into their life, it reminds them of the light that you shone into their lives. That you and you and I, as each of us in our own way, have been a light to someone. And, you know, they didn't understand it. They didn't know much about it. But somebody else comes in there and talks about the same light. Somebody else comes in there and the same light is present. They begin to get a picture. How many times does a seed have to be watered before it sprouts? You know, when does a seed, you know, if it's just setting on the ground... Sometimes the soil has to be dug up a little bit to get the seed covered, and then it sprouts, and, and I think that's us. While there were many Jews staying in Jerusalem, just then devout pilgrims from all over the world, and when they heard the sound, when they heard the tornado inside of a building on loudspeakers that didn't have loudspeakers, and they saw a house afire but not burning. It's like, what's going on over there? What's, what's, what's that sound? What's that going on up in that upper room? <laughs> well, what happened? Then when they heard one, one after another their own mother tongues being spoken, they were thunderstruck. They couldn't for the life of them figure out what was going on and kept on saying, aren't these all Galileans? Aren't these all just local people? How do they know our language? And how can they tell us about Jesus in our language and they don't know our language? How come, how come we're hearing them talk in our various mother tongues? They were not a crazed group of individuals. They were individuals waiting and surrendering to an experience of which God was the originator and the author. And God doesn't bring confusion, but when, it are, when there appears to be confusion, he brings peace. He brings the answer to the troubled heart. And to these individuals who were troubled over this, we have Peter in verse 14. That's when Peter stood up and, backed by the other 11, spoke out with bold urgency. That's what I like, the bold urgency. Peter, <clears throat> up until this time, P 
Peter and the others had been hiding. And they've been a little more encouraged by going back to Jerusalem, but they're still in an upper room, and they're still hiding. Now, most of the other Jews, the 120 that were up there, they weren't being sought out by the Romans or, or the, the priests and the guards. They, were, they went to the temple and so on, but Peter, we don't see them doing anything. We don't have them any recognition. But when the Spirit came... <laughs> Peter, with bold urgency, fellow Jews, all of you who are visiting Jerusalem, listen, listen carefully, and get this story straight, okay? We're not crazy, and we're not drunk, so get the story straight. These people aren't drunk, as you suspect. They haven't had time to get drunk. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning, This is what the prophet Joel announced would happen. You see, he draws upon the word of God to bring bring meaning to the urgency and to the moment that these people find in confusion. The, The Holy Spirit will draw upon the word of God to speak to our lives, to speak peace, to speak healing, to speak strength, to give us direction when we don't think we have direction, that God will be there. He is the way maker. He is the one that will make the mountains go down in the valleys and the crooked places straight. And he, he is the one who will direct the path. He is the one who will be the light that shines upon our path. It is God who is speaking to us. Not just wishful thinking. <laughs> you know? Oh, I wish I wish upon a star. Oh, star, wherever you are. It's not what it is. It's, <laughs> it's the Holy Spirit speaking to your life. And what is the Spirit saying? And the thing, and thing, the thing is so amazing is that when God puts a thought in your mind and in your heart, there will be just boom, boom, the turnaround, confirmation, and God's saying, see, I told you, I told you, I told you. You know, it's just like three or four things, five or six things will just pop up and it'll all be in order. And it's like, I was the one speaking that message to you. And God has a way, and, and, you know, God isn't doing the, you know, the negative, the bad. God is the one who speaks truth and love and he speaks his grace and his mercy. He speaks about how that we're going to become and how that we're growing on from here, and how that God has a place for us. And you see, I said about the voice, on how that they, the judges sit there, and they listen to someone singing, okay? And if they want that person on their team, and they hit their button, and their chair turns around. I think of the Holy Spirit is speaking to our lives, and he wants to know, if we'll turn around and listen and say, I want that experience. I want that love, that word in my life. And God is singing and he's knocking and he's trying to get us hit the button, turn around. I'm here. I've never left you. I've never forsaken you. You're not alone in this that all things are going to work together for good, that this message of life and the things, the hard things that we are experiencing, they're only here temporary. Listen to my voice. Listen to what I'm saying. Listen to my voice. Romans, uh, Philippians, 
excuse me, Romans chapter 10. This is the core of my preaching, Paul is saying it. Say the welcoming word to God. Say the, turn your chair around, turn your life around, and say the welcoming word to God who is speaking to us. Jesus is my master. This is Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. Jesus is my master, embracing body and soul. God's work of doing in us what he did in raising Jesus from the dead. God is doing a work in us that he did in Jesus in raising him from the dead. The Spirit turned the dead body of Jesus into alive. He's turning our life, deadness of our sin, into life. That's it. You're not doing anything. You're simply calling out to God, trusting him to do it for you. That's salvation. We can't save ourselves. Only God can save us. And so he's telling us, call out to God and let God do his work. With your whole being, you embrace God, setting things right. And then you say it right out loud. God has set everything right between him and me. <laughs> That's the song that God as it were, is being spoken to us, sung to us through the word, wanting us to turn around and accept it into our lives. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to us. And we want God to fill us, fill us, the fill, we're already full to fill us, refill, fill us, overflow, allow that word to speak to our heart. For God who has begun a good work in you will complete it. <laughs> That's God's word. He will complete what he has started. And we're just continuing on in God's word. Shall we stand? <laughs> so what is God speaking to you? What word? What scripture? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. <laughs> Um, all things work together for good. God has a plan for us and a purpose for us. You know, for good, not for evil. What are some other promises? <laughs> Any others? Fear not, for I'm the Lord thy God. Uh, I'm with you always, even to the ends of the earth. You're never alone. All things work together for good. Everything is part of a plan. We just have to see it. <laughs> you know, so those are some of the scriptures. When I, try to, when I don't try to stand here and think about them, I have a bunch that just rattle off. And here I'm trying to think of them, and it's like, it's like, okay. <laughs> Amen. So what is God speaking? Forgiveness, love, peace, strength. See, I can do this. I can make this. No matter where I'm at, God is saying, we can make a difference. Let the light of his word shine in our lives. Father, thank you. Thank you that you speak to us and you call out to us. May we turn our chair around. May we hear your voice and respond. May we hear what you are saying, what the Spirit is saying to us. May we hear your spirit, your thoughts. For your thoughts, 
The prophet said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts above yours. God, we want to think your thoughts, and they're so great and so far above what we can ever imagine. We are grateful, Lord, that you speak to us. Give us your peace, your direction, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. God bless you.